comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. Recording and this is out now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is Abe. Hello. Out now is a film podcast that's Abe and I discussing new movies weekly. We also bring in discussion about the latest movie trailers, box office results and predictions, a callback to films similar to the main film of the week, games, and other fun stuff. This is episode sixty-one, and the main film we are going to discuss this week is the new Wes Anderson joint, Moonrise Kingdom. Woo! And joint. Yeah, and joining us to discuss Moonrise Kingdom, we have, from Just Seen It, and a huge fan of cartography and being equipped with the spiky weapon as possible, Liz Manischel. That's me. <laughs> and <laughs> recent recipient of the Why Did I Watch Piranha 3 Double D Award and currently wearing Sunday school shoes, Leia Ducey. Woo, that's me. <laughs> Hi, guys. <laughs> How are we doing? I'm good. There's a French bulldog in my face. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> That I have the same thing going on, but it's just because I have Abe on video. So it's <laughs> so <laughs> kicking it off. <laughs> Few announcements. Um, first off, easy one: iTunes reviews and ratings. Always helpful to get those. Helps out the show. Really simple to do. Log in iTunes, click some things, and type some stuff, and it's done. I mean, it's that right, Abe? It's that simple. Okay. It's pretty easy. Yeah. Okay. Not gonna lie, I've made up a lot myself. <laughs> 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 good, good, good for us. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, so there's that. And the other one, I'm going to let Liz take this one away. This is a special announcement that's another one of our, possibly our coolest contest yet. So. Oh, it's a, okay, yes. Um, so I'm directing my first feature that I wrote, and we are launching a Kickstarter campaign. And the film is called Bread and Butter, and the Kickstarter campaign is called We Need Some Bread. To make bread and butter. Do you get it? It's a pun. It's a pun right there. <laughs> I see what you did there. It's very exciting. And so one of the very exciting incentives to donate to our Kickstarter campaign is to be a guest on Out Now with Aaron and Abe. Whoa, that's us. <laughs> that's you guys. So if you ever wanted to be a funzy film critic on the most awesome podcast of all time, all you have to do is donate $25 to a Kickstarter campaign and that's all. Then you get to be a part of the, again, most awesome podcast of all time. So that's my announcement. Yeah. Yay. Yay. Also what I think. I mean. We're yeah. Not- I'm, I'm not going to lie. That sounds like a great deal. Yeah. <laughs> I'd do it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, we've, we Liz presented us the idea the other day. It's just like, oh, that sounds actually pretty cool. It's someone be a guest for donating to our movie. That's awesome. So yeah, all you have to do is. Put in $25 and you can be a guest on this show. And you get to help out Liz's movie. I mean, it seems like a win-win-win. Yes! Win. <laughs> all, all of those things. All of those wins. And, so and if, anybody, if anybody wants more information on the film, they could go to breadandbuttermovie.com. 
And um, we go live Tuesday morning and we can provide the Kickstarter link on lots of made, lot, modes of social networking for you. For sure. Yeah, I'll certainly have a link in the show notes for this episode. And I'll you know probably put up a link on the Facebook page and what have you at some point. So, yeah, all of that's happening. Yay! <laughs> Woo! <laughs> all right, so let's, uh, let's, let's go a little Nova Body, where each week we try to ask each other a few questions to help set the tone for the podcast and better get to know everybody and uh yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna let Leah start this one off this week Woo. um aaron favorite yeah. wes anderson film oh that's that's a question um <laughs> I, <laughs> predictable leah is predictable <laughs> i'm i'm on, i'm on team zisu i um i, I choose uh, the one that's the most <laughs> fair enough controversial of the wes anderson films the live aquatic with steve zisu is the one that i enjoyed the most and i'm a big wes anderson fan in general though so i mean i like all there's not a movie i dislike of his movies i like more, less than others but life aquatic is my wes anderson film of choice wonderbar okay liz yes we see a lot of romantic comedy movies come out every year or what have you some are very good some some are star kate hudson but um <laughs> and and a lot of those movies where you, know, you have, yeah sorry sorry Kate Hudson fans <laughs> but, um, we see in a lot of those movies we see people end up together and it's like yay they're probably gonna do something but here's my question what romantic comedy couple do you want to most succeed That's, oh man which one do you want to like do you want them to stay together after the movie ends Okay, well, this is, I feel like everyone's going to answer this, but I think Harry and Sally, everyone wants Harry and Sally to last because they, like, have, are honest about things that are annoying about each other, and it's a real romantic comedy that's based in a cute reality that I enjoy. So I would say Harry and Sally from When Harry Meets Sally. Cool. Okay, funny story. I have a question for Leah, but Yay. because it was... Yay! Um, but because it was seven thirty in the morning, I thought we were reviewing Prometheus. So all my questions are Prometheus. <laughs> Lucky for you, I saw that movie. Okay. Yeah. So, That's the question anyway. <laughs> so Leah, yeah. um, if you were to put alien cave drawings in a cave, where would your cave be located? Ooh, good question. Um. I, hmm, that's a tough one. I'm going to say um, the island that Lost is located on. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. That's the, Try to work that one out. I believe that's the island of like Disney, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, pretty, pretty much. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, Abe? Yes. Question for you. Favorite Bill Murray role in a Wes Anderson film? <laughs> uh, I really like him in The Royal Tenenbaums as uh, Dr. I'm slipping on his name right now. Dr. Beard Beardzo. Dr. Beardzo. Dr. Beard, yeah, sure. I'm going to get it right. But uh, I really like it because there's that really tender moment where he's confronting Margo, trying to eat the cookie, but he just is so disgusted that he just can't eat the cookie. He's like, you've made a cuckold of me. I'm just oh Bill Murray. It's uh I believe it's Raleigh Sinclair. Yes, Dr. Raleigh Sinclair. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um but yeah, that'd be the one. Do you have one in mind? I I mean, I really, really liked the movie Rise Kingdom. 
Okay. I, I really did. Counts. I mean, I also enjoy him as a badger, but <laughs> yes. <laughs> but listen at me. <laughs> Okay. I mean, to me, he's the Zisu. So, yes, yeah. nice to see you. It's the obvious one. All right, uh, Aaron. Yo, can you see Wes Anderson directing a horror film? And if so, what genre would it be? What kind like of horror film? Or vampire or Walking Dead kind of stuff. Um, well, I mean, I'd love, I'd love to see Wes Anderson do a horror film. Um, what kind of horror film, though? Let's see. If he didn't already like, if there wasn't already like a mummy movie, like a mummy remake, I could I could easily see him doing like a throwback mummy movie where like it's it, it's set like in the it's it's set it's set in the in the past and it's like all of them have very pronounced they have very distinct clothes like it's just like a team of archaeologists go in there's like they have a very distinct set of clothes and stuff and they talk in very Wes Anderson style talk and it's it's very it's a, it's a very quirky discovery that they have. <laughs> and, um, that's exactly what I want to see this try and happen like, because of the quirky talk and just they'll all be wearing like cardigans. What I'm trying, what I'm yep. thinking, like, uh, has anyone seen the Purple Rose of Cairo? No. Yes. Liz? No. Okay. Amazing. The the move that's the that's the it's a Woody it's the Woody Allen movie and Jeff Bridges or Jeff Bridges Jeff Daniels comes out of the movie in that movie like he literally gets out of the movie like he escapes. He's, he's like Sherlock Jr. Yeah, he's like within a movie. He's he's a character in a film, and then he just kind of jumps out of the screen. But the movie that he's in is like I think I believe it's like a mummy movie, and that's kind of the that's kind of the horror that's kind of the adventure <laughs> horror movie that I see Wes Anderson directing. <laughs> I don't know what the mummy would look like in a Wes Anderson movie. Probably like a shade of brown, but <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> but yeah, there's there's mine. Cool. All right, uh, Leia. Yes. What is your favorite Wes Anderson soundtrack? Ooh, I, I mean, my favorite Wes Anderson film is Fantastic Mr. Fox. So I'd have to say that soundtrack is the greatest too. Um, I've seen that movie like probably 10 times. It's so great. Um, yeah, probably that one. Cool. I'm not too familiar with all the other ones though. I've like, I've never, I didn't specifically notice the soundtrack when I was watching it as I did with uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox. I, yeah. Did you say I? Maybe. <laughs> I. I. I have a question. Yeah. Abe. Abe. Yes. Because again, it's Prometheus related in my <laughs> mind. Um, <laughs> what is your favorite Greek myth? <clears throat> What's your favorite what? My favorite Greek myth. Uh, I'm gonna call a lifeline <clears throat> and say Aaron. Lifeline. <laughs> favorite Greek myth. <laughs> It's just thanks, Abe. Um, I know you like this a lot. <laughs> well, yeah, I do like Greek myth. I'm just trying to think of what my favorite Greek myth would be. Um, Come on, Lifeline. Oh, it's funny because Icarus came to mind. It, that's kind of fitting just because Icarus is in su- is Sunshine, and those movies are kind of connected as we discussed last week. But uh, so, so I'm gonna I'm gonna say Icarus. I'm gonna go with that one because he, he, he flew too closely to the sun, and you know, <laughs> bad things happened. <laughs> That's right. He and the son ran off together and left his father behind. <laughs> that's how. It, that's the. Uh, that's the moral. That's the. It's an Aesop fable too. Is, <laughs> he ran away with the son. Completely eloped. Liz, right back yeah. at you. Yeah. Okay. 
have, uh, you know, we've got the voice talents of George Clooney and Meryl Streep in Fantastic Mr. Fox, and now you've got Francis McDormand, Bruce Willis, and Ed Norton in Moonrise Kingdom. Which actor or actress would you want to see next in a Wes Anderson film? I'm going to have to look it up because I'm not sure if he's ever been in one, but my favorite actor is Tim Blake Nelson. And I think Tim Blake Nelson would be fantastic with deadpan dialogue from Wes Anderson. Yeah, he has Let's not, he has not, I don't, he has not been in a Wes Anderson film. That's a good choice. I can see yeah. that fitting really well. I can see him, in, really I can see him and Ed Norton combining forces to be some kind of team in the yeah. Wes Anderson untitled mummy movie that I'm creating right now. <laughs> <laughs> I want more Jeff Goldblum. He'd be the mummy. <laughs> no! Very, very tall. Very tall mummy. He'd have, oh. he'd have glasses and he'd be constantly... He'd have glasses over the wrappings. Over the wrappings, yes. <laughs> yeah. He'd just be, he'd be like, he'd be sitting His there. His movements but, would be perfect. It would be. That's why he'd be a very lanky mummy and his like, hands would be constantly touching his face and be like, um, we have to, uh, you should run. All right, I believe that's everybody, correct? I think so. Yeah. And that's how you play No Everybody. So let's uh, move on to, tra- that was so epic, I think, how I said that. But uh, let's move <laughs> on to um, our trailer talk where we discuss a couple of the newest trailers of the week. And um, we have two new trailers. One, the first one of which is not the Wes Anderson horror film that I'm currently writing myself, but a different horror film called Sinister. And Sinister is a film that stars Ethan Hawke as a father and uh, he and his family have just moved into a house and they discover well he discovers his attic because basically what like a reel of reel-to-reel films and kind of looking at them he sees some pretty messed up footage and realizes that they're all connected in some way to some kind of creepy character and this kind of leads to other weird shenanigans going on shenanigans within his life and uh, you know horror stuff ensues and it looks quite scary and i should point out two things uh, one it's from director scott dickerson Dick, derrickson dickerson derrickson scott derrickson we already know that who uh who previously made the exorcism of emily rose as well as everyone's favorite jane smith film the day the earth stood still and um it's also from <laughs> sorry it's also from a uh, writer c robert cargill and that may, name may not sound too familiar but he is a writer for ain't it cool news.com yeah and- oh which makes me think that this might be a horror film that kind of knows what it's doing, knows the tropes that it's trying to avoid. So that kind of makes me makes me eager to see what. Plus, you know, it's a scary trailer, so it makes me kind of eager to see the movie. But uh, what did you guys think, Abe? Uh, yeah, I was pretty terrified, uh, and that's probably because that's not a cool looking dude, and they've got some pretty cool effects uh, on this screen. It's kind of weird. I, I think I had some. <laughs> I was like, nine months? Really? Nine months later, they're already moving in. And then uh, also the return of Vincent D'Onofrio, which I haven't seen in a while. I think he got booted off of uh, uh, Law & Order CV, CT. Uh, yeah, St. Louis SUV. Yeah, that reminded me a lot of you know stuff like The Ring. Um, and obviously, uh, I was actually a really big fan of um, Insidious. Um, so it's actually kind of. I believe curious. we all were on this podcast, actually. I think. Yeah, which is a good thing. Uh, I, I think that it has uh, some pretty good stuff in it. Um, so uh, I was actually really excited for this film, even though it kind of really bugged me when, when it was like, oh, children have a very 
you know, whatever, they're, they're more perceptive or whatever else. And I was like, no, not the daughter. She's so nice and cute. And then, yeah, weird stuff happens. <laughs> Shenanigans. Shenanigans. <laughs> I feel like it's, uh, I mean, the storyline's kind of predictable. Like, so original, moving into the house nine months later, find all this footage, and then the daughter becomes friends with the ghost. Like, really? It's been done before. But um, that being said, the the trailer did moderately terrify me, as it did with Abe. And... Uh, yeah, it, it looks really good. It, it To me, it has, seems to have the potential of being a really, really great horror film. Um, it is very Ring-esque, and uh, I, I like that about it a lot. The Ring was like the last really, really scary movie I remember seeing that I thoroughly enjoyed, like in theaters. Um, so yeah, it, it, it looks good. And it's coming out, what, October 5th? Correct. So that's right around Halloween. I'll be watching Trick or Treat a lot. And, uh, good movie. It would, movie. Fit, good it would movie. fit right in. So, yeah. Trick or Treat's a good movie. That's a good one. So great. Uh, Liz? Uh, I only saw about 10 seconds of the trailer because <laughs> as it was playing, I, like, progressively put, like, windows in front of the trailer <laughs> and turned my volume down and looked away. <laughs> like, I didn't really do my homework because it scared me so much is what I'm saying. Um, I like the idea and I like that it combines found footage without the whole movie being found footage. Um, and it reminded me a little bit of 8mm, but I think everything reminds me of 8mm um, <laughs> in a weird way. <laughs> Most Pixar movies remind me of 8mm, actually. That's so awful. <laughs> Put that in the show notes. <laughs> but from what I could tell, it, I mean, it was it was too scary for me to watch. But, you know, so that that's good thing. Good job, film. I should actually point out that this is from the producers of Paranormal Activity and Insidious. And, uh, yeah, so there's that. And, yeah, as, uh, <clears throat> as Leah said, uh, Sinister comes out October 5th, 2012. So uh, we'll uh, we'll see. The, um, the next trailer we can discuss is called The Watch, formerly known as Neighborhood Watch. And I think Abe and I might have talked about talked about the teaser before. I'm not sure yeah. exactly. But um, now we have a full trailer, which kind of gives more of a perspective of what this movie is actually about. And it, what I used to think was about Ben Stiller, Vince Vaughn, Jonah Hill, and Richard Ayoade. How do you say it's like Ayoade? Ayoade? Um, yeah. What used to seem like those guys in a... Uh, neighborhood crew neighborhood watch team comedy type thing is apparently actually about a neighborhood watch where they're looking out for alien invasions happening and uh that to me makes it somewhat funnier kind of although i like the idea of a neighborhood watch movie <laughs> based around like random neighborhood crimes but adding a sci-fi element never never a terrible thing i'd say and uh this is from writer seth rogan and evan goldberg and uh also from director Akiva Schaefer, and that name may not sound too familiar, but I will say that he is a member of the Lonely Island team, which also includes Jorma Tacone and, of course, Andy Samberg. And um, Akiva previously directed um, Hot Rod, I believe, and a lot of most of the uh, digital digital shorts on Saturday Night Live. So, with all that said, The Watch, I think it looks funny. Abe, what do you think? I thought it was funny as well. I, I definitely liked uh, the extended shooting scene in the Green Band trailer uh, of the alien on the ground. Um, but yeah, I think that the element of having the alien actually gives it a little bit more, a little bit more to work with. I guess um, they can be a little bit more out there in terms of Ben's delivering crazier. 
Um, so I, I enjoyed that aspect of it. Although I have to say that I'm not really too sure about the film overall because it might just be a, a terrible mess of a film uh, and they just might be just going nowhere with it. Uh, that being said, I'm a fan of Vince Vaughn and his shenanigans. Said it twice. Shenanigans. <laughs> and uh, I'll see how that goes. But yeah, I, I hope that it's, you know, I hope that it holds up is what I'm saying. Uh, Liz. Um, I, th- I find the whole thing very suspicious. Um, so the movie, I remember seeing trailers for this movie for Neighborhood Watch, right? The original title actually quite a while ago. And then there was all the buzz that the name was to reminded people of the Trayvon Martin case. And so I think they changed their name the watch to the watch after that, after the controversy. And so my theory is that they just went out and shot a new movie and that they added this alien element in Last few months, and I know it's not accurate, but that's the dream that I like to have. Okay, and I think I'm kind of suspicious, suspicious like that too. Yeah, <laughs> I feel you, Liz. I feel you. Um, I I'm also a little a little suspicious about the the trailer. I don't know. I'm I'm not going to see it in theaters. Like it's not really my jam, but um, I did appreciate the Skrillex in the trailer, <laughs> in the Red Band trailer that I watched, uh, and the vulgarity that ensued. Um, which we discussed earlier. Unfortunately, no one was recording. <clears throat> but uh, yeah, no, it, it was. It, it looked. It has the potential to be okay. But for me personally, like, I'm not gonna go out of my, my way to see it. And uh, yeah, right. I don't know. I digress. All right. The uh, the watch comes out the week after the Dark Knight Rises on July 27, 2012. So we'll see how poorly it does at the box office then. And <laughs> I'll but, still be crying. It's fine. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's uh, that's that. Let's uh, yeah, I guess that's that. So let's move on to our film review for not Prometheus, but Moonrise Kingdom. <clears throat> what kind of bird are you? I'm a sparrow. She's a dog. No, I said. What kind of bird are you? Dear Susie, here's my plan. Dear Sam, my answer is yes. Dear Susie, one. Dear Sam, where? Dear Susie, walk 400 yards due north from your house to the dirt path which has not got any name on it. Turn right and follow to the end. I will meet you in the meadow. Who's missing? Shukuski, you in there? Jiminy Cricket, he flew the coop. Does it concern you that your daughter has just run away from home? That's a loaded question. Until help arrives, I'm deputizing the little guy, the skinny one, and the boy with the patch on his eye to come with me in the station wagon. What am I looking at? He does watercolors, mostly landscapes, but a few nudes. All right, so that should have been some of the trailer for Moonrise Kingdom. And, um, yeah, this is the new Wes Anderson film, which stars a host of people. That includes Bruce Willis, Edward Norton, Francis McDormand, Bill Murray, Tilda Swinton, Jason Schwartzman. And, yeah. Um, And this is a film about a pair of young lovers, Sam and Susie, who have kind of fled their lives in their New England town. Well, New England lose. Well, they're on an island in New England. And in favor of being away from the adults where they can kind of explore the environment and themselves to an extent with the help of Sam's scouting skills. 
And this causes a little search party to kind of fan out and find them. This includes the local sheriff, played by Bruce Willis, Sam's former scoutmaster, played by Edward Norton, uh, Susie's parents, played by Francis McDormand and Bill Murray, and the uh, social services, played by Tilda Swinton. The film is set in 1960s, 65, I believe. Something like sure. that. And um, outdoor hijinks scored to Hank Williams and Sue. So shenanigans. With, yeah, with all that, let's start. Let's start with. Uh, Let's start with Leah. Leah, what did you think of Moonrise Kingdom? I adored this film. So great. It, it's all, like how disappointed I was with Piranha 3 D. Complete opposite <laughs> of the spectrum with how thrilled I was. With Two movies Moonrise I constantly Kingdom. bring up together. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, so, I, to be fair, I love Wes Anderson and all that he does. And... I, I went into it knowing that I was going to like it a lot. Um, but, I mean, I was pleasantly surprised. Like, there were still the, the nuances that um, Wes Anderson always puts into his films. Like, the, the kid left eye, the one that had his eye covered, like, in a scene very much later in the film, um, he, like, is wearing a costume, and the costume only has one eye. <laughs> like, you know, little, little things like that, I, I just... Oh, I love that stuff so much. And uh, I don't know. I was talking about it with my boyfriend this morning because we went and saw it together. And he was like, I kind of felt, un- he he saying, I kind of felt uncomfortable about how young they were and how romantically involved they were. But I didn't think about that at all during the film. Um, I thought Wes Anderson did, you know, something new in a tasteful way. And uh, I, I, I loved it all around. Cool. Let's yeah. jump to Abe. Uh, I thought this was a pretty solid addition to the Wes Anderson collection. And like uh, Leah, I, I feel as though Wes Anderson films, they can really do no wrong. Um, even though everything was kind of the same kind of tone and same kind of storyline as some of the other films. Or I guess not same storyline, but it just felt very familiar to me. Um, I was still fine with that. Um, I like how each frame is basically perfectly set. They're always centered. There's always something going on in the background. I especially like when they're writing and uh, the greaser kids from uh, yeah. Sam's uh, foster home are in the back just working on the car and he's just writing. Everything is just, you know, very meticulous. Um, and I like the two main leads. I sometimes found that they're, or I found it a little strange to hear them, I guess, thinking and speaking on a level that I didn't feel was natural. Um, so I guess maybe I felt as though I felt kind of like Leia's boyfriend felt, which is, you know, they have that weird dynamic going on. But, you know, it's kind of a trivial matter. I was pretty much okay with it. Um, I do think that they were, you know, it was it was weird with the whole entire exploration of themselves. But then when they brought it up point blank, I was actually really okay with it. I actually really liked the way that Wes Anderson presented that um, when they're dancing on, on the shores of, I forget where, um, Moonrise Kingdom. Yeah, point thirty six. <laughs> I was I was gonna call it the beach, but that works too. <laughs> yeah. It's got like a terrible name that they rename. Yeah, but um, unlike some of the other Wes Anderson films, I kind of didn't like the other character development in this film. Um, I think that Bill Murray is, you know, he's he's essentially a staple in the Wes Anderson movies, but I kind of felt as though like his character, just as an example, kind of didn't get as much screen presence to give you a sense of who he was. But then again, it's more focused about the kids and, and this young love that they have. 
Um, but yeah, overall, I really enjoyed this film. Uh, I liked the score a lot. Um, and again, I like the quirkiness and its its presentation of itself um, as like these young lovers in the 60s kind of just being pretty independent. And I think that their backstory really merits like, like each of their backstories coming from kind of like, you know, disgruntled backgrounds kind of really merits like this really wonderful blossoming relationship that they have. Uh, Liz? Um, yeah, actually, I'm not a huge Wes Anderson fan, but this is my favorite movie of the year. Uh, I know, it's like everyone's offended. But <laughs> everyone loves Wes Anderson. I understand. He's great. So I just, I'm not a huge fan. Um, I, I have this weird thing about pop music and overly stylized films, but um, I love Moonrise Kingdom. I thought it was amazing. I thought it was so well directed. And I think it's all because he focuses on these kids and everything else takes a backseat to character and story and theme. And, um, and I love the theme of two people who can't control themselves. You know, I've seen that idea of these two little kids of impulse control problems and, and letting them run loose and express and so understand what what uh Liz's boyfriend um, feels about the the sexuality in the film and that I love about this movie is that this film respects the characters enough to not shy away from showing their sexuality and not pretending like it doesn't exist so I thought it was a really mature film and I loved it awesome yeah. um I uh yeah I thought this was probably the most idiosyncratic film since Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance. Um, <laughs> but seriously, um, I what I like about Moonrise Kingdom, besides, you know, the movie itself, is that I think it's maybe Wes Anderson's one of his most accessible movies since since uh, Rushmore. I mean, Phantasm Mr. Fox, to an extent, just because it's geared towards a more family-oriented audience as opposed to his other films, which are all R-rated features. Um, but um, I, I think Moonrise Kingdom is a very accessible movie that I think a lot of people can enjoy. And I, I think it's because, yeah, the focus is so it's, it's on these, it's on this relationship of this young, of this young couple and they're very likable kids, but not in a, like not in a overly cute, precocious way, just more of a, these are like just really interesting characters. And I like all the little details that have been brought to them. Thanks to Wes Anderson's style. And Abe, you pointed this out. This is one of my exact notes that every frame has something going on in it. And I love, mm-hmm. I love that in this movie. I like it. It's it's very much a Wes Anderson film, but it seems like a very focused Wes Anderson film. It doesn't seem to me like as much as I love uh, Life Aquatic. That's my favorite one. I can I, I can see why people don't like that movie, and I think there's it's because it somewhat meanders at points. This one, it feels he knows exactly what he's want. He there's this there's kind of a there's an assuredness in what he's doing for Moonrise Kingdom. He there's a very clear intent for every every frame of this movie he has something going on that's very specific and has to do with the story in some way i don't think there's any real time wasted in what he's doing here it's just it's a it's a lot of fun to watch and it has a very good story and it has this great cast in it as well and i loved all of these aspects of the film and it's yeah it's just really it's a really enjoyable movie and it yeah it has a the way it depicts this relationship is very it's it's very, it's very interesting and a lot of fun, and it's somewhat. Uh, it ha- it has some. There are some. There are kind of some stakes involved in how things progress in the film. So let's uh, let's get into it more, I guess. Um, these two kids. Uh, well, <laughs> here. here, go. Wait, what do you have to say? Go. 
Oh, I wanted to say something about the editing um, because I know Wes Anderson is so well known for camera and production design and art direction. But also another thing that was really strong about this film is that the takes of the performances of the little kids, and maybe this is a good segue, um, were always like the most bizarre takes of the kids. Like it, the film patently avoided these, you know, the traditional representations of saccharine children and super sweet and like mm -hmm. overly quaffed children. Um, and so it's like every single performance take of the Jared Gilman or Kara, what is her name? Kara Hayward? Yes. Um, was like the awkward take. It was like when their line was a little bit off or they didn't get all the words right or they were looking away. And I thought that was so fantastic. Just the editing choices were the choices that I don't think other directors would have made. Can you read a map? Uh-huh. I do cartography. I feel we should go halfway today and halfway tomorrow since you're a less experienced tiger and you're Sunday school shoes. They're not really Sunday school shoes. Oh, thank you. Here's where we are right now. I'd like to pitch camp here by 1600, which means four o'clock. How's that sound? Fine. You want some beef jerky? Okay. Let's go. Yeah, I can I can I, I can see what you're saying there, and I agree with that to an extent. I think it, I, th I think the film does a good job of, of have of have yeah of not having these kids play, played up as being very sweet, but just have them, kind of. I mean, they're in a place where they're they've ran off together. They hardly they barely know each other besides meeting one time and then just writing back and forth. And they kind of, the, the way they interact with each other feels very authentic, but kind of awkward because they're young and exploring things. And it's it's a it's a really interesting romance and that yeah i think the actors do a a very good job for being so young too i think they do a very good job bringing that out i should mention that as soon as the movie was over i was like halloween costume dibs i called it <laughs> even though i'm sure walking around brooklyn i'm gonna see like thousands of sam and susie's oh but, I, I, um, I figured you were gonna dress oh. like harvey Keitel, but okay that's... Uh, well you know maybe <laughs> yeah i don't know i i guess i think one of my favorite things about them as a couple is how messed up both of their lives were separately. Like, you know, Sam's been, his, he's an orphan and his, his parents died early on. And so he's been in foster homes and, and they're trying to, you know, once he, you know, flew the coop, they're trying to like find him and get him back to his parents. And then his foster parents are like, yeah, no, we don't want him anymore. So very early on, you, you're just like feeling for the kid and then he and Susie developed this romantic relationship and they're, you know, they're so in love and you're, you're like, all right, well, I don't know. It, it adds such a human element to it. You like feel for him right away. And especially that over the course of everything that develops between them, um, it, it's such a great little, little messed up romance. And there's, um, is like in the beginning of the film there's a long time before you actually meet Sam like they, it goes it, you, you get a lot you get Susie and you get some of the other characters it gets a lot you, you see some of Sam but it, it takes a good I think it takes like a good like 15 minutes before you actually meet the character of Sam like you actually get to see see you yeah. get you get a lot of talk about him so I thought that I'm was actually trying to remember like when you actually meet him yeah because you, you like, first what, you deal with the... you deal with the fact that he's escaped well you feel what you deal with Susie first and her family then yeah. you deal with the fact that he's escaped and you deal with you know like Bruce Willis talking about things and then it's it's a while like before you actually meet him that's right he's just like walking yeah. through the woods right? he's walking yeah. through the woods yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> with his tag 
Perfectly um, late. Yes, naturally. Um, I don't know. I, the the one of the things that I thought was a little bit awkward was the relationship between Susie and her family. Um, and I guess even more so than that, the the relationship that the parents have with their kids, and and even with each other. Like there there's so much awkwardness between all of that. Like the only physical interaction that Susie has with her brothers is that she keeps taking her brother's record player and she's like, I'll bring it back. Where's your sister? I don't know, but she bought my record player for 10 days without asking. What does that mean? Dear Lionel, I need to use your record player. I will give it back in 10 days or less. Do not tell mom or dad. I will replace the batteries when I return. Signed, Susie Bishop. Well, having, um, having grown up as a 10-year-old girl in a household one time, I think I can relate to that aspect of the story a little more than you can. But... <laughs> oh, Aaron. <laughs> I just thought it was kind of kind of weird that, that that's the only... I mean, I, I understand that like it, it's more about Sam and Susie, but the, the backstory of her, I guess, I didn't feel like it was developed enough. I think they're just both black sheeps. Yeah, I, I think that that's kind of what it was too, and I, I really liked how they had the whole entire, you know, she finds the pamphlet on the refrigerator or wherever, Susie, and uh, I liked how Wes Anderson filmed that little mishmash of how Susie gets, she has a really short fuse, and so she's just knocking things over, she's like confronting her classmates, and I found that to be very, I liked that a lot, actually. Just, yeah, that whole back and forth letter writing moment, I think you kind of see a lot of what their characters are, you just see that they're kind of outsiders, they're just kind of... Yeah, like, and I think that's really what makes their relationship really dynamic which is like they're kind of just really perfect for each other in that regard that they are so messed up um, Leia, Leia, to, ex to, ex Leia, to explain it a little better i can only do this with my hands but they're just a little different i did it with my hands you just can't see <laughs> just, yeah <laughs> you're like drawing a square like in pulp fiction no just a little different <laughs> Oh, I see. Fantastic. The I'm yeah. seeing here now. I'm seeing like, yeah, a very old Vincent Price. Actually, here's a, here's a, here's a. Would you see Would you see um, Susie as same as uh, Sally Draper to an extent? Yes, that's a good comparison. Although I feel like Sally is more outspoken. Well, yeah. I mean, you have five seasons, and yeah, to, to kind of deal with who, who Sally is. True. And by Sally Draper, I'm of course referring to the character Sally Draper on DuckTales. No, on, uh, on, on Batman. <laughs> I don't know. What did you guys think about the relationship between um, Bill Murray and Francis McDormand? Oh, I loved it. Really? I loved that one. Yeah, there was one moment where Bill Murray and McDormand and Bill Murray says, <clears throat> it was something like, I wish I could be there's something about like how I wish I could be what you want me to be, or I'm not who you want, or just this one statement. It's shot simple way, and I just I felt for their relationship, even though it was only a snapshot. I still felt that there was a very extreme disconnect between the two of them. Yeah, and um, more so, I really liked the relationship between Francis McDormand and Bruce Willis, and Bruce Willis in general in this film. Actually, I I, I kind of think that Bruce Willis is going to go kind of underrated in this movie. 
just because he's downplaying so much and he's not playing a a Bruce Willis character. He's playing a character in a Wes Anderson film. And I th- he's not playing a guy saving his wife at an airport on Christmas Eve. He's doing some saving in this movie. But <laughs> but I, I think I think Willis is really good in this movie. All right. We know they're together. We know they're within a certain radius of this spot. I'm declaring the case with the county right now. Until help arrives, I'm deputizing the little guy, the skinny one, and the boy with the patch on his eye to come with me in the station wagon. Randy, you drop in and head upriver with the rest of your troops, split up on foot. Becky, call Jed, tell him to circle over this end of the island and fly low. He plays a, very much a um, an adult version of Sam in a lot of ways, and it, it feels very... Yeah. It feels very... Did you get the Did you get like the kid reference in that too? Yeah, I did. Like, yeah. Disney's kid? yeah. And I got the. I feel I. It it seems very apparent that Sam and Susie are going to be reflecting uh, Willis and Vic Dorman's past relationship very clearly yeah. in the future, which is why the the film as a whole has a sort of a sense of melancholy to it in terms of where this relationship could possibly go, and I th- I think it's reflected well in in Bruce Willis, who's He's he's playing a very sad character, and it's kind of it's 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 kind of heartbreaking just to just to see who this who this man is. He's the sheriff in this town, and he has this kind of not a he's not necessarily an affair going on with Francis McDormand's character, but kind of a a secret a secret relationship with her that I guess reflects kind of a, a former life that he used to be involved in. And it's just it's all it's all in his eyes, and I think I think he does a good job, in particular, of just kind of downplaying. A Willis type role for in settling into this this area, which is, it, it, it I think it sh- I think it shows how good of an actor Willis can be in, in movies like this when it doesn't involve him holding a gun. So. He also he's like voice of reason. Yeah, that's oh sorry, that, that's true too. He is the voice of reason in this movie. <laughs> yeah, it's like so bizarre. There'll be these scenes where we're immersed in this Wes Anderson uh, tone and and his whole shtick, and then. Bruce Willis is saying things that the audience is saying, like, what's going on here? And why are you doing this? And just asking all the questions that we want to ask as audience members. And I really enjoyed that. Uh, kind of going back to the point of the relationship between Bill Murray and Francis McDormand, I kind of felt as though that really wasn't developed as well either. So uh, I think I'm on the side with Leia there. Um, and so it's just, you know, I, I really like that shot in their separate beds overhead as well. Um and I liked the this, the discussion that they have too, but it's just uh, again it, it really wasn't played out. And I, I referenced around the time on the like because that's probably the West Anderson film that I've seen like more than uh, like one person's share of. But it's it's really you know I, I guess it doesn't really give me a, a satisfaction of knowing how their life is is intact after Susie and Sam that that incident is over. Um, there's no real uh, certainty of, of their relationship later and I think that's that's fine the way that it is but at the same time I'm kind of just thinking I don't know I mean I like the way that things close out in, in all the other films um, but for this one I, I wasn't sure uh, for that for that particular relationship because obviously there's Bruce Willis character and and some other stuff that closes out pretty neatly but uh, yeah I, I was kind of just curious one of my favorite shots was the one where he, he like walks in with the boys all sitting around and he's like, uh, if anyone needs me, I'm going to go find something to chop down. And he has like, yeah, he has an axe in his hand and no shirt on. <laughs> and, and he's like holding a beer. Yeah, I think he's also like, like, yeah. out. I love that. What did you guys think of all the supporting stuff? I, I really liked Troop 55, especially like when they get their stuff together. 
Um, <laughs> and they, they go out and paper mache something. So I was really a big fan of that, especially that kid who talks really fast. <laughs> uh, I was I was a fan of that in terms of where the movie was going, but for some reason, like, one of the kids kind of... I think the one that initiated the um, let's be positive about something uh, to be vague as possible, I, it felt like very... It felt kind of unnatural to me, which is kind of... It's a balance of it's a child actor who's not as experienced and be able to capture the nuances of Wes Anderson dialogue mixed with the fact that it is Wes Anderson dialogue. So it kind of felt unnatural to me, like how a character was talking all of a sudden. That's kind of where I came off of it, which is unfortunate because I was like really into the movie up until it was like... Yeah. like <laughs> but I think at, basically at a certain point, you kind of realize that it's kind of going a little bit more quirky, like way more quirky than, than it really originally was. Um, especially like when... Ed Norton is saving, saving somebody. Like, yeah, and that's that's another that's one of my, I guess, gripes with the film. I think the third act is very busy. I think there's a lot yeah. going on, and I think it kind of, I th- there there are two specific things that happen, and I think if you thought about it, you know what I'm talking about. Where there's a certain element added to the film that's kind of fantastical, and it was, it, it didn't, it felt, it didn't feel like I was properly set into that world where those things could happen all of a sudden and I can just go along and accept those things and it kind of it kind of threw me off for a bit before and before the film just carried on like nothing outrageous just happened and just proceeded in its own way and so like those those two specific moments that I'm thinking of those they kind of they, they kind of they, they they suffered for me in what was otherwise just a really fantastic film <laughs> I don't know. I enjoyed them both. Like I, I thought it, because I was kind of expecting that throughout, and I mean maybe that's just because I'm like I love Fantastic Mr. Fox and how silly and quirky it is, um, but I don't know. I was expecting something like that to happen the whole time, and when it didn't until the third act, I was like, I was getting a little anxious by the end. I was like, really? He's, <laughs> he's not gonna like do anything outrageous? Come on. Um, so I was actually happy when it came. Well, with like a movie like Fantastic Mr. Fox for me, and and same with like Life Aquatic to an extent. Like those movies are yeah. they're set in worlds where I feel like things that happened there were properly like I can see those things happening from the outside of the movie. And Moonrise Kingdom, it just it it just didn't come off as as naturally to me. We're just like, oh, the, okay, this <laughs> this happened, but he's okay. All right, like <laughs> yeah. What can I say, man? He's the hero. <laughs> I think I just, I loved the movie so much by that point that it could have pooped on itself and I would have been happy. That would have been an interesting decision to see in the movie. (laughs) (laughs) The the movie is very funny. I should mention that more, by the way. It's a a very funny movie. There's so many good one-liners. There are a lot of good one-liners. There's a lot of... Oh, yes. There's there's also a lot of, yeah. There's a lot of dry... A lot of good references to to your ilk, Aaron. Your left-handed ilk. Yeah. Yeah. Um... (laughs) Yeah, it's it's a very like it. It's one of those movies where I was smiling throughout. Like I was, it was it, I certainly was like, despite some of the things that happen and even some things that are like more in the dramatic territory. Like it just the way it all comes down to kind of Anderson's style and how he kind of presents certain things, certain shots, certain callbacks to things that have been previously set up in the past of the film. Like it just, it's a very enjoyable movie to watch and it's very satisfying throughout. So. Yeah, I also like the. Um the the color scheme of the film it was very autumn like yellow yeah and uh, it kind of gives you that that 60s feel 60s vibe some of the times uh, actually yeah I, that's a that's a good like it's set in the 60s and other Anderson films 
they're never defined by their they're never defined outright as what year they take place in, but they could easily be from they could easily be from an earlier time period, and this is the first one that's actually specifically set in the sixties. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I just reblogged a post on Tumblr about like all the different Wes Anderson films and all the color palettes in them. Oh, I saw that yesterday. It's really great. Yeah. Um, Show notes. Let me find it. <laughs> yay! Um, but it, it's I really appreciate this one. Like the you know the the color of the Boy Scout troop, like the that green. And then, like, Susie with the pink, like, wearing the pink dress the whole time. And um, I don't know. I Especially, like, living on the East Coast now, it's very, like, I I feel like living here and knowing what living near uh, an ocean is like um, adds a different element of it to me. I feel like if I was still home in the Midwest, like, I, I wouldn't really be like, okay, whatever, but... I don't know, the, the whole escaping and running away to a beach and, like, camping out and all that kind of stuff, I, I really associate it with. So, there's that. Cool. Any other thoughts on... Uh, oh, actually, Edward Norton. We haven't talked about Edward Norton at all. What do we think of Edward Norton in this movie? Hey, he's great. Solid. Yeah, I thought he was pretty solid. I, I would say that it kind of felt as though uh, you could tell that he was really doing the Wes Anderson, like, talk the way that you had mentioned with the other uh, scout troop member, I, I really felt as though Edward Norton, you could really feel as though he's really doing that Edward, or he's really doing that Wes Anderson script, um, maybe not on the cleanest level. So I was, he was pretty solid. I kind of want to see him do some, at least like another Wes Anderson film, just to gauge it a little bit better. But other than that, it was pretty good. Or you just watch the movie again. I, mean. <laughs> I could. And I thought about, I actually thought about like the same night that I watched it. I was like, I have to go see this movie again. <laughs> mm-hmm. I there's the opening shot, which is mostly a continuous shot, involves him kind of walking and seeing, addressing his different troops, and he's holding a cigarette in his hand, and it's very <laughs> interesting to me just the way he holds it, it like as the, the the camera just kind of travels with him, and there's a point where like he encounters like some people with um they're dealing with explosives or like fireworks for the. Was it the jam- and he holds it away. Jamboree, yeah, and he just holds it like directly yeah. at the camera, and it's like it's just it's just these little things that all come into play that I just found like fast, just interesting to watch this movie, and it just goes to, it goes more to just again every frame has something going on, and there's just something happening in every scene of this movie. There's no like wasted space. Everything's very planned out, and I just appreciated that a lot. Is that Did you the notice? Shot or shot right after the? Oh uh, yeah, I mean, shot, I, shot I, right after the, the first. I'm sorry, the opening shot with the scouts. The scout can't buy it out. Yeah. Um, did you guys notice the one scene where Susie was reading to the troop and she was like reading the story? I, I really, first of all, I really like how she read like six different stories, like a chapter for each story throughout the, the film. Um, I thought that was a nice little touch. But the one the one scene where she's reading and she stops and Sam is like, go on. <laughs> and, and she keeps she keeps reading it. But it was very like Wendy and the and the Lost Boys. To me, actually, that's a good call. Yeah. While he's like smoking his that's pipe. That's a really yeah. I didn't even think of Peter Pan at all. Like it was, it was very. I, I feel like it was hinting at that a lot, um, which I thought was really cool. Yeah, yeah, that's that's good. I'm just I've been, I because I didn't think of that. Oh, that's 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 a good call. Thanks. All right. Um, any other thoughts on Moonrise Kingdom before we wrap up? Go see it. Love it. <laughs> 
Love it long time. Any any thoughts on Prometheus before we wrap up? <laughs> <laughs> I have different feelings towards Prometheus than I do towards Alright, then uh, let's uh, let's get to our rating. Each week on Out Now with Aaron and Abe, we try to rate the films based on when you should go and see them, and our scale on that matter goes from IMAX to theater to dollar theater, Netflix, HBO, TV, you just kind of forget about it. So let's start with how we started. Uh, Leah, what, did you, what would you give a rating? Please go see it in theaters as soon as possible. Stop what you're doing and go see it. Okay, thanks, bye. <laughs> Abe? <laughs> I've actually just stopped recording. I'm actually going to go see it right now. <laughs> uh, I'd say theater. Yeah, definitely a theater film. Oh, I also mentioned that the soundtrack is fantastic in this movie. It is. It's quite good. It's really well done. Uh, Liz? Uh, I'm going to concur. I think all of you have committed an error by not having seen it opening weekend. It's awesome. In all four theaters that it opened. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, it wasn't available in the Bay. <laughs> really? Not, oh, wow. not opening weekend. Not like... Uh, the four theater weekend. That's upsetting. Yeah. And yeah, I agree as well. Theater, go see this movie. It's really enjoyable. And I think, I, I, I'm trying to, I can't think of, I mean, besides Wes Anderson fans, I, I still think anyone can go, Not maybe not anyone, anyone, but I think a lot of people can go see this movie and really enjoy it. So. I saw it at a matinee on uh, Memorial Day. That was the most recent holiday, right? Yeah, sure. Not Labor Day. Labor Day is in September. I don't know. Whatever. There was so happy, happy June Day. But that, that's yes. not a real holiday. So. Correct. When I did <laughs> to go to work, it was awesome. Um, and like it, it was directly after the weekend that it came out. But everyone in the theater clapped when it was over. And everyone like stayed in the theater. And I mean, this is like a big New York theater. So I, I, I really appreciate it. Oh, I should it. say, stay through the credits of this movie. I love oh, definitely. the way the, the, the music plays out in the credits is kind of fantastic. There's something kind of fantastic about that. <laughs> I was going to say All right, let's, uh, let's do a little movie callback. Callback, callback, callback. I can't wait for us to have that sort of sound recorded and then we never have to do it again. <laughs> until it Abe, will never or, be recorded. Or, or, or if Abe learns how to use echoing effects on the old editing. <laughs> until that time, Eddie, uh, this is where we talk about a few films that kind of relate in some way to the main feature of the week. Uh, Abe, any films? Uh, RoboCop. Obviously. <laughs> No. Uh, That's actually just like something that just popped in my head right now. You'd be stupid for not thinking of RoboCop. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Royal Tenenbaums, um, and primarily because uh, I felt as though this is almost along the same lines as the Richie Marger relationship with the Royal Tenenbaums. It's almost as if it was like if they weren't adopted siblings, that they would have this kind of adventure. It kind of reminded me of when, when they slept out in the uh, the museum and they left home. For a while, so um, yeah, definitely a Royal Tenenbaums. Um, and say anything, probably just because I watched it last night. Mm. But I was like, <laughs> "That's a good movie." Yeah, it is. I want, uh, I want them to go on together. <laughs> oh yeah, I was actually thinking Heron the Hendersons when you asked that question, but uh, <laughs> obviously, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but say anything, probably just because you know it's like these young lovers. Um, they're kind of just going out together um, on on to set forth on a new life. Um, so, I don't know. Again, it's pretty fresh in my mind. Uh, Liz, I assume Alien and uh, Aliens. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, I was thinking, actually, strangely enough, me and you and everyone we know. I know. It's, oh, yeah. It's one of mine, yeah. A little bit out of left field for this specifically, but there's an idealism in romance but that both films have. So. And there's a, Go. there's a lot of young people doing things. Yes, yeah. Um, mine was Royal Tenenbaums as well. 
<laughs> so. Yeah, I thought of other Anderson films, and uh, The Graduate came to mind, too. Oh, yeah. just, in ter- just in terms of kind of the way that relationship yeah. ends in that movie and the way this relationship ends in this movie. And- I actually, yeah, I actually got that feeling when I was watching it as well in the theater. I was like, I wonder if this is going to be like a Graduate ending where you, they're just, now they're just uncertain. Mm-hmm. So, hmm. Cool. All right. Uh, we are recording this podcast a little bit early, but uh, so we don't have official box office stats. I know everyone's desperately concerned what Aaron and Abe thought about the box office on a Tuesday or Wednesday when they listen to this for what happened <laughs> the previous weekend. But um, I do have some results as of, as of for Friday, as far as Friday is concerned. And basically, it looks like Madagascar 3 and Prometheus are both going to be at the top of the box office this weekend. Again, well, that's my boy and Rock of Ages will be coming in at uh, in third and fourth. And... Um, <laughs> that's a little disheartening for me just because it's Rock of Ages is on my summer box office wager thing. <laughs> is it one of your dark horses or is that actually one of your top ten? It's, it, I mean, it was my number ten and now the G.I. Joe's gone. It's now my number nine. So... <laughs> <Damn>. <laughs> but it does bode, it does bode well for Madagascar, I guess, to an extent. But, uh... And Prometheus. Wait, why is G.I. Joe gone? I'm out of the loop. What's going on with G.I. Joe? Have you not heard about what's happened to G.I. Joe? G.I. Joe's been moved no? to all the way to next March. We just watched the original. I'm ready for the sequel. <laughs> <laughs> we're ready for it too. Aaron and I were really gearing up. We're yeah. going to do a commentary. Do a commentary for GI Joe. <laughs> we were all excited about. It. No, yeah, GI. This happened about like what two, two, three weeks ago now. GI Joe yeah. Retaliation was moved from from being two weeks from now, June 29th, all the way to March, whatever the hell, 17th or something, <laughs> next next year. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, G.I. Joe is going to be converted to 3D. That was the official reason that Paramount gave as to why. That is stupid. That is stupid, but yeah, that is stupid. but also did, kind of unclear because you think, well, I, people kind of know that 3D makes money, so it's not like Paramount just realized this like four weeks before their movie was supposed to open. So my suspicion, along with some others, which was later confirmed, is that they actually had terrible test screenings and they're going to be shooting new scenes that feature more Channing Tatum since he seems to die in the first act of the movie. Yeah, yeah, I heard that. Well, I heard that they recut the trailer to refocus on Channing Tatum too. Yeah, they're, so. at, they're actually shooting more scenes, and they're probably going to be more Channing, just... Channing Tatum centric because he's you know suddenly become <gasps> a big star of the movie of uh, the year That's as opposed weird to. Because I actually read that they're actually going to bring back Marlon Wayans. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, we are all like we all discussed this on the other podcast too. We we're pretty excited to see. Um, so like my number six or number five movie of the summer. Leave it beyond just the money that it would. <laughs> Could have potentially made. I think we just wanted to legitimately see this movie. It looked like a lot of fun. Um, okay, yeah. So that's kind of the box office for so far. It seems, yeah, it seems like uh, Madagascar and Prometheus are going to beat out Rock of Ages, and I believe all of us have predicted that Rock of Ages is going to be number one for the next, this weekend. So that's not happening. Yeah, I'm totally losing that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You, we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll just we'll just move on to to other things and um, other things. Abe, do you know what those other things might be? I think it might be a time for games. Games! Anderson E today. All, yep, all that. All right. Yeah. All right, guys. Guys. Gals. Guys. Guys. I have a new game. Woohoo! It is called Anderson, Anderson, or Anderson. Oh man! Now, I have a, I have compiled I have compiled a series of quotes from the films of Wes Anderson, who we've already been discussing, from Paul Thomas Anderson, 
<laughs> who, who's made, uh, you know, Boogie Nights, Magnolia, Punch Drunk Love, There Will Be Blood, and uh, Heart Eight, or Sydney. And, other- and of course, the most esteemed Anderson of the ball, Paul W.S. Anderson. Yes! <laughs> who has made films such as The Three Musketeers, The Resident Evil's franchise, Death Race, Mortal Kombat, <laughs> Event Horizon, and Alien vs. Predator, of course. So, I am going to, yeah, this game is going to be pretty amazing. Epic. I am going to read a quote from one of these directors' films, and you have to identify which Anderson it is. And bonus points if you can guess the character and film that it's from. Ooh. Oh, oh yes, yeah. and all these points will, of course, accumulate, and whoever wins will not be dropped into the pit of acid I've installed under each of you. So, oh my god, it's a, I know. How did I get there? Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's crazy. It's crazy. I was able to do that and somehow force you to play this game. Your teleportation skills are excellent. That's yeah. I'm a I'm a bamf. So. <laughs> Double joke. Um, <laughs> Anderson, Anderson, Anderson. Here we go. Here's the first one. Some of these are easy. Some of these might not be. Here we go. I saved Latin. What did you ever do? Rushmore. Uh, yes. Oh. <laughs> That'd be Wes Anderson, correct, Dave? Yes, Wes Anderson. I'm trying to remember okay. the character's name, but it's it's Jason Schwartzman. Max Fisher. Yeah. Max Fisher. Oh, how can I forget? I'm so sorry. Ah. All right. Sorry. Here we go. Here's the next one. You know I'm gonna be a great big bright shining star. Oh, oh, PT. PT Anderson. It's a sorry, I yell. <laughs> I yell. <laughs> she really wants to win this. She doesn't want to fall into acid. She doesn't want to fall into acid. I can understand that. Oh, I'm terrified. <laughs> and uh, yeah, does anyone know the film and character? Oh, Boogie Nights. Yeah. Yes, of course. Dirk. Marky Dirk. Mark. I don't know his name. Dirk. Dirk Diggler. Yes, that. Here we go. Here's here's the next one. Man, that's one angry homo. Paul Dano. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's a Paul, Paul Dano of There Will Be Blood. Yeah, that's the classic quote. Classic quote. He's actually from Death Race from Paul W.S. Anderson. Okay, here's the, uh, here's, here's the next quote. Here's the next quote. I drink your milkshake. Oh, come on. Okay, obviously you're all misheard something because it is obviously from Liu Kang in Mortal Kombat by Paul W. Sales Anderson. Okay, next quote. <laughs> Moving on. Okay. Um, why would a reviewer make the point of saying someone's not a genius? Is that Wes Anderson? That is Wes Anderson, correct. Is no. it... I've seen it. it no, it's, it's Life Aquatic. Uh, nope, incorrect. Oh, it's not? It is Owen Wilson's character in Royal Tannenbaum's. Oh, I should have put that together. <laughs> Why would a reviewer make the point of saying someone's not a genius? Do you especially think I'm not a genius? Is he uh, talking to your mom? He's talking to Margot, I believe. Oh. Uh, okay, uh, here we go. Next quote. This place is a tomb. But Paul W.S., I just assume. Yes. It is Paul yes. W.S. Anderson. Is from, it Resident Evil? It's um, Event Horizon, actually. Uh, here we go. Here's the next one. I've lost my touch, man. Um, is it also Boogie Nights? Yeah. It is Wes Anderson. It is from oh. Bottle Rocket. The character uh, is Kumar. Uh, as they're trying to break into a vault. And he's I've lost my touch, man. <laughs> Here we go. Here's the next one. I have a love in my life. It makes me stronger than anything you can imagine. I'm going to guess oh. P.T. Anderson? It is P.T. Anderson. Oh. Is, is it Magnolia? It is Punch Drunk Love. Oh, oh, I hated that movie. Really? 
I hated that movie. I'm about to drop Leah from the call. (laughs) (laughs) Under the acid. Oh no! (laughs) Who's gonna watch the dog now? (laughs) Here's the next quote. I'm very sorry for your loss. Your mother was a terribly attractive woman. That's Wes Anderson. Um, that's Royal Town and Baum. That is Royal Town and Baum's, correct? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Royal. Yeah. All right, here we go. I never take my skates off. Oh, well, that's, yeah, P.T. Anderson, Boogie Nights. Correct. All right, so here we go. If I think, if what I think is happening is happening, it better not be. Ah, uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox. Yay! <laughs> I forgot. Yeah, that's Meryl Streep. Yeah. All right. Have you ever been struck by lightning? It hurts. Well, is that Wes Anderson, Moonrise Kingdom? Yeah. <laughs> so I was thinking two. Yeah. Fitting like, guess, but okay. it is from Magnolia. Oh, really? It's William H. Macy's character in Magnolia. William H. Macy. Is he still on that show about drugs? Yes. <laughs> I think it's a, it's about his vagabond family, Shameless. Oh, oh, he's not on drugs? Oh. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't watched Shameless. I don't know. If it's I haven't seen it either. <laughs> okay. Here's the next one. Those were $500 sunglasses. <laughs> Paul W.S. It is Paul W. Sanderson. It is Johnny Cage from Mortal Kombat. Ah. Finish him. Okay. I'm so sorry, Johnny Cage. Here we go. Uh, you think it's really cool for you to hit the sauce of a bun in the oven? Not a clue. Paul yeah. Thomas Anderson. It is Steve Zissou from The Life of Quiet. Oh. <laughs> wow. That's right. Okay, next one. Don't be thick in front of me, Al. Al. The Coen Brothers. It is Daniel Plainview from There Will Be Blood. Damn it, Daniel. Damn it. Next one. There's a lot of attitudes going on around here. Don't let me go. It is a Mr. Box. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I know every line in that movie, you guys, I swear. Nice. Abe, get ready for this one. I'm ready. No, I'm not. Okay. Wait, let me suck myself up. All right, I'm ready. I will drop kick those fucking dogs if they come near me. Tom Cruise, Magnolia. It is Tom Cruise and Magnolia. Paul, Paul Thomas Anderson. <laughs> All right. I'm so pissed, I want to spit. Johnny Cage. Okay. It is Jeff Goldblum in The Life Aquatic. Oh, gosh. Is that before or after he shot? Uh, before he shot. Oh, okay. I thought, I thought Liam might get that one, but I was terribly disappointed. She's a fantastic Mr. Fox fan. Okay. <laughs> but, but it's a Jeff Goldblum quote. Oh, yes. Uh, okay. Last one. Here we go. Flawless victory. And right, I'm back. Oh, Dano. Flawless it's, victory. Is that, uh, what's his face? I know it's Mortal Kombat, but it's, uh, who's, who's that dude? I, I have run? someone who's. Oh, did we already guess the movie? Because I, I have someone who just piped in behind me who knows what it is. Uh-oh. What did he say it was? He, well, he said it's Mortal Kombat. Well, I mean, you're obviously trying to think of Shang Tsung from Mortal Kombat. Yeah, Shang Tsung. Uh, but, but you're obviously wrong. It's, of course, Gwyneth Paltrow from Royal Tenenbaums. Okay, that's the end of the game, so let's move on now. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs>
It's like the it's like the game where everyone wins and the points don't matter. It's, it's just like that. Yes. <laughs> and but unfortunately, Leah was the only one that fell into the pit of acid. So moving on to what we're going to talk about. I survived. And the French bulldog. How do you? How does that make you feel, Aaron? Yeah. Aaron. <laughs> not not good. I mean, I like having you on on the show. So. Okay, let's uh, let's talk about what we're going to talk about next week. Let's move on there. We have a. Abe, there are two movies coming out next week. Both of them, I think, we're quite excited for. I think so, too. One involves a person discovering who that person really is and what it involves to be show true bravery in the face of danger. And the other is about a red-headed Scottish girl. Um, we have <laughs> Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter, and, of course, Pixar's Brave. Both of those come out next weekend, so obviously we have to talk about both of them. I think that's the idea. Can I do the, can I do the line that Mary does says? I think so, too. Sure. Can I, can I do it? All right, here we go. Here we go. Here's me being Scottish. Ready? Ready? If you had the opportunity to change your life, would you? <laughs> right? Right? Good. It's like I'm wearing a kilt. It's pretty good. Actually, speaking of that, I'm going to go to that movie right now. So nice. I'm going to head out. Well, really, yeah. really quick. Really quick. Oh, sorry. How, yes, how, much, how much do you think Brave can make next weekend? Oh, I, you know, I always make a answers when you ask me these questions but we still need one. Oh, okay um i think a really big number and a big number to me is a hundred that's that's too big um 65 that's a good number is that normal that's fine okay. that's a good number and okay well, that's a good number oh, and where where can people find more of your work before you go oh they can go to www.justseenit.com or they can check out my new feature that we're making called Bread and Butter at breadandbuttermovie.com. And don't forget to search for Bread and Butter on Kickstarter so that you could be part of this awesome podcast. And all it takes is $25, which is really four meals at McDonald's, possibly. There you go. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> awesome. All right. all right, Liz. Thank you. You got to go. Thanks, you Liz. Go. Thanks for coming on today. Thank you so much, guys. You're helping me out so much. So I really appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. And, for sure. Uh, yeah, we'll talk to you some other time. Okay. Bye. Bye, Liz. Bye. But back to our box office guesses. Abe, what do you think Brave will do? Now? We, I, we, I think we can assume that Brave's probably going to be number one next weekend. Yeah. Probably, yeah. yeah. More family and... Wait, it, Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter is rated R, right? It's actually rated G. Um, oh wow! Yeah. It's, well, it's, in that case, it's gonna be number one. It's for, it's for general audiences because it's about it's about it's about history. So <laughs> everyone did love. Uh, uh, let me see that one. That one. Movie. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was gonna I was gonna reference Jeff Daniels. I know exactly what you're saying right now. <laughs> I know exactly what you guys are talking. Jeff about. Daniels. <laughs> um, no. I, yeah. Brave number one definitely. Uh, Sixty five is pretty solid. Uh, I will go 60. 60. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Leah? I'm going to go 75. 75. Yeah. All right. All, All right. in. All in. <laughs> the chips are here. <laughs> um, let's see. What can Brave do next week? You guys made some good guesses. I'm, let's see. What, what other Pixar movies do? Oh, now you give me the I'm stats. not going to tell you now. I'll guess first before I look at it. Um, I'll say... I'll say 55. I'll go low this week. Here's okay. the lowest. So, yeah. Okay, that's our box of predictions. We'll see how that turns out. And um, 
But yeah, that's gonna that's actually gonna do it this week for Out Now with Aaron and Abe. Uh, you can find more of my work at my personal blog site, thecodezeek.com, where you can find all my written movie reviews, as well as at whysoblue.com for all my Blu-ray reviews, as well as the other reviews from the guys over that site. You can of course also find me on Twitter at twitter.com/aaron'sps3. Abe, I can find more fun stuff at walrusmoose.blogspot.com, which I never update. Uh, walrusmoose.blogspot.com, two animals, walrusmoose.blogspot.com, and twitter.com/walrusmoose. And Leah. <laughs> Um, I'm on Tumblr. Uh, it's leahdeuce.tumblr.com. And I'm also on Twitter. Uh, hashtag, no hashtag. At, <laughs> oh my god, it's Leah. Z-O-M-G underscore. It's underscore Leah, L-E-A-H. Great. Must be a huge accident. There's a lot of... They're arriving to save me from the acid. Jesus. Yeah, Aaron. God, Aaron. You could have, you could of course, you could of course find all our other episodes of Out Now, Fair and Abe on iTunes and at hhwlod.com. You can find all our episodes there as well as some other shows, uh, including a bunch of great guys that like to talk about games and comics and movies and stuff. It's just a really cool bunch of guys, other cool shows. You can also find most of the new episodes, some exclusives at outnow.podomatic.com. And you can, of course, email us at outnowpodcast at gmail.com. And you insist that Abe go and see Moonrise Kingdom again just because why not? And insist that Leo watch Punch Drug Love again because it's a damn good movie. And, um, you know, you can, uh, of course, follow our pages at facebook.com slash outnowpodcast and twitter.com slash outnow underscore podcast. We provide all the updates to the shows and whatnot there. And, you know, it's fun to have followers and people, you know, chiming in every now and then. Uh, yeah, so that's it for this week. Next week, it's the doubleheader of Brave and Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter, a duo that's classic in its making. And, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, thanks, Leah, for coming on. Yeah, absolutely, guys. Always a pleasure. Yeah, and uh, Liz, too, who has already left. But, you know, it's nice having fun guests on. And, you know, it was fun talking to everybody. So, until next time, so long. And goodbye. I will dropkick those fucking dogs if they come near me.